right, welcome back to the Mentis Podcast. Today we have Jim Lee with Formosa Investing. Jim, I appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for having me on the show, Dick. It's a pleasure. Yeah, well, right off the gate, I I, I think your background starting in uh, kind of sales for LoopNet and CoStar, which are very large uh, data uh, companies for real estate investors. I think you have a rich background. Maybe, uh, maybe you're a little bit closer to it than even maybe an analyst um, who uses it all the time. Could you maybe give us a little bit of an understanding of how important it is to really be up to speed with using those tools, uh, and and what kind of advantages those uh, who are able to use that information are able to get uh, compared to those who don't have it? Absolutely. So my background is I graduated with an economics degree uh, with uh, with uh, UCLA back in 2010. So this, as you may know, that's back in right after the 2008 subprime mortgage crash. And on top of that, 2010 European debt crisis, it was uh, really difficult for us, for me to find a job right out of the college. So I was actually jobless for a while until I got really good at selling myself, lending my job, uh, lending me a, uh, an insights role at working on LoopNet and CoStar. Now, like you said, um, for those that don't know about LoopNet, it's basically Zillow for commercial real estate. I was able to speak to real estate investors, lenders, property managers um, on a daily basis. And I learned the importance of having multiple stream of income by speaking to them. And um, the importance of having this data uh, is that you, you see the power that, you know, um, just like when you buy regular real estate residential, um, everybody goes online on Zillow to search for property facts, sales comparables. And it's ultimately, that's what most of these uh, real estate investors, uh, agents, lenders use CoStar for. It's for the data. It's all the data that they have, um, the sales comparables, the 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 facts. They have um, about I think a below a, a belief about a, over a thousand employees just going out there driving, you know, uh, looking for datas, um, verifying all the facts, and. Uh, typically they do it by regions. So they have a specific team for every city and every markets. So um, they, they provide pr pretty much all the commercial real estate data you need. And they've also bought all these other commercial real estate companies over like LoopNet. Um, when I started at LoopNet, um, they were trying to sue LoopNet, but then they decided to just, you know, buy them out. Um, and then they they essentially bought apartments.com as well. So they have pretty much all the data, uh, all the commercial real estate data that uh, that you need, um, pretty much all aggregated in, in CoStar. Yeah, it's a pretty impressive company. I mean, not only do they have the thousand people who are out in the field verifying that the information is correct, but I think where they really stand out is they've they've really tapped into the, the property management software. So they're pulling it in real time from the property management software and presenting it uh, to the to the people who are looking for the data. So you can see what occupancy rates are. You can see what real time, um, you know, the eviction timelines, all, all of it is right there. Uh, and it allows people to make really informed decisions uh, on markets and, uh, you know, which properties to, to purchase. In, in fact, I would say it's, it's at the point where appraisers are starting to really almost look at their information uh, to to start, you know, evaluating the the deal. And it, I think that you know, I, I could be I don't want to offend any other software out there, but it is starting to become kind of known as best in class. Um, and for that though, it's not cheap. I mean, it, can you kind of give us an idea? I mean, I, if I recall, it's about thirty five thousand a desk for the full nation. 
uh, it might be a little bit more now. And it was a little bit cheaper if you pick a specific market. Do you, do you remember any of those uh, you know, kind of basic pricing models? Yeah, you're, you're, I mean, you're around the ballpark range. I think, I believe now it's about 40 to 50,000 for the statewide. Oh. Um, I, I personally just subscribe just uh, uh, for one market, which is, uh, you know, it cuts down the cost, but it's still very expensive. And and typically, you know, for, for uh, to be able to subscribe their service, you have to really be in full, doing this full time or else it wouldn't be worthwhile. Um, I, 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 I was able to join uh, forces with a real estate firm where they just offer a complete package for the whole office. So I think that's the, a good route to I would recommend to start off. Um, it's just tough <laughs> to be able to add that kind of cost to your, your, um, your business. And I think that kind of, you know, speaks to the people who are, you know, doing this full time and that a lot of their, their decisions are not, you know, on a whim that, you know, it, it, it's, it's not something you just kind of, um, you know, kind of pick up and do on the side. I mean, some people obviously are very successful with like smaller, uh, investments and and doing them on the side, but if you're doing large investments and bringing in a lot of money uh, from other people, it's good to know that uh, they're able to use some of the tools that aren't available to kind of your mom and pop real estate, um, you know, in, investors. So, absolutely. Anyhow, I I appreciate you kind of unpacking that a little bit. Mm-hmm. You, now, you said you you're investing in one market, or you have that access for one market. Can you maybe tell us what that is and and why that particular market? Yeah, so I chose to um, to uh, pick uh, the market Florida. So um, as you may know, that uh, the, the, as a real estate investor, we always have to look at where the migration pattern is. Right, that's the most important piece of the component is where the population growth is and happening. And uh, I picked Florida because um, we got a lot of California people moving to Florida. On top of that, all the New York people are also moving out there as well. So, um, you know, it, it was no brainer for me. That's I, I subscribed to that market. And I also have some boots on the ground uh, team set up out there in Jacksonville and Orlando. So uh, it's it's like you said, it's a tool that's it's, it's needed if I am going to have uh, establish a more uh, you know, just get more data out of Florida. So, because I, I live in California, so I, 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 I do travel there every once in a while. But just having CoStar, it, it helps a lot. Oh, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you're kind of talking about the macro, you know, elements of, of real estate investing, and certainly population growth is, if not one of the most important, it, it is going to be ranked in the top five as one of the most important things. Uh, for any real estate investor, if they're looking to be in development or if they're looking to just kind of realize some really large, maybe outsized returns. Uh, and certainly the Sun Belt fits that right now. So you're seeing, uh, you know, all, even all the way over uh, in Arizona with Phoenix, and then you have Texas and then Florida, of course, uh, North and South Carolina and uh, Nashville is, uh, you know, booming. And then you're seeing markets like Huntsville, Alabama. Also, uh, starting to see a lot of this institutional capital. But how did you pick Jacksonville? Obviously, it's a great market. Uh, but could you maybe, with your local expertise, tell us a little bit more about Jacksonville and Orlando? Yeah, sure. So ultimately, um, as a syndicator, um, I my role is to raise capital, uh, investor relation, and uh, marketing. Um, so the lead sponsor that I met through my business partner, 
Um, he has boots on the ground. He's have he's got 20 years of experience out there in Florida, and we decided to part uh, to partner with them because we actually started uh, syndicating out here in California multifamily apartments in Long Beach. And because of the eviction moratorium, because of the politics over here, and just like what you said, you know, these, these, there's uh, other factors we look at, which is, you know, besides population growth, we, we also look at where the job growth is. And we also look at where's, where is business friendly and landlord friendly, right? And that's, that's what, what, one of the biggest key components why we chose Florida is that, you know, um, we want to make sure that our, we're able to still uh, generate a return on investment for our investors. Um, we can still do it out here in you know, California, just not as not it's half half of the you know um, total margins at profits and so forth compared to Florida. So that's one thing why we chose Florida is because uh, it's through just leverage of uh, other uh, connections of the the network that we have. Um, and that's why we end up pick, picking. Now, when you talk about why we chose Jacksonville or Orlando, Jacksonville last year was um, rated third fastest growing city in the whole entire nation. So if you think about what I discussed earlier, um, all the California and New York people are push, basically moving to Florida and pushing all the prices up from, you know, places that that's desirable, like Tampa, Miami, um, Orlando, and it's driving all the people up north to live in Tallahassee, Jacksonville. Um, so that's why it's booming so so much. And then the the reason why I I picked Orlando is because that market, um, the how uh, the two hundred unit apartment building we selected to syndicate, it's 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 in a very desirable neighborhood. It's in a Class A area, but it's a Class C building. Because we target Valley at Class C, built in 1970 buildings. So we can potentially make this building into a Class A, but our business goal is just to get to a Class B, Class B, so we can sell it for 2x equity multiple. Okay. So, you know, I think that there's, you know, a lot to, lot to really unpack on that. The Florida market obviously is, is booming and, and, Governor DeSantis has won a lot of friends, especially, uh, you know, with real estate and uh, I guess really other companies have moved headquarters and, you know, West Palm Beach all the way down to Miami is some of the most expensive real estate in the country at the moment. Uh, I guess, you know, if you're if you're looking at Jacksonville versus, let's say, Tampa or Clearwater, uh, I mean, you're you're saying you're kind of betting, I guess, that Jacksonville is is going to be the winner out of all of those? Or are you saying that because your team is located there, that's kind of what took it over the edge and, and now you're focused on Jacksonville because of, because of the boots on the ground? Yeah, it would be it would be the second. So it would be, um, you know, because we have boots on the ground, you know, out there. Uh, Tampa, we don't. Uh, Orlando, we do. And then, so so we we have uh we don't have in in Miami either. So it, the we we only picked markets that we have local presence. Uh, sure. You know, having local vendors, I think that's very important. I, I've syndicated a deal where, you know, uh, we hired a property management company. I don't know if you know Resprop, one of the biggest out there. They didn't have local presence with you know the vendors, the contractors, and that that kind of made all the work orders back up, and we had to switch the property management company because of that. So we're very selective when it comes to picking markets to make sure that we have uh, a system in place set up and locally. Um, otherwise, it's it's going to create more um, problems for us. 
Sure. So pivoting a little bit towards the uh, the property you have there in Orlando, you said you're, or I guess all of them, you said you're focused on 1970 vintage Class C properties. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've done some that are that are that old, and there's a lot that are uh, there's a lot of things that can go potentially wrong with with that age of a property. You could have asbestos issues. Uh, you could have mold and uh, you know rot and a lot of uh, electrical you know stuff that needs to be upgraded. Why why 1970 vintage if you could jump up to like 1985 1995 and newer and potentially get a little less issue? Is it is it because you guys are kind of really trying to play in that more like tertiary market where maybe not all the institutional capital is and trying to get the the better return or are you or you just have like a really good experience with like heavy uh, kind of I guess heavy construction or heavy uh, value add rehab type properties yeah so both so we target those uh, heavy value add properties because that's what our investors want they want more upsides than um, a staple of uh, steady of cash flow and so that's why we 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 look at these value add built in 1970s so there's more opportunities for us to go in and create a force of appreciation um, over time and that's what our investors want. And it, quite frankly, to be honest, I just started syndicating. So that's what all my most of my investors want. And that's what I'm targeting as well um, to, to just build my portfolio up and, you know, get some track record under my belt. Sure. I mean, there's a there's definitely benefit to just getting into the market and, you know, at, at 200 units, that's not a small project. You do have the economies of scale working for you. Uh, you know, you can really spread the cost of the property management across the entire property. Um, you know, I think that I'm sure it'll, it'll be a great, great deal. There's just, you know, some, some investors, I guess, larger, um, I guess, larger companies tend to stay away uh, from the older assets. And I do think that there's an opportunity for, for other groups who are a little bit more nimble to take those assets on. I was just curious if you guys had like a specific reason for focusing on that, but it, it sounds like, uh, it's the opportunities that you guys are able to, uh, to to take on right now. Yeah. As far as, I, I, as far as insurance and cost and expenses are concerned, uh, reading all sorts of uh, stuff about insurance in Florida being, you know, kind of extremely unpredictable. Have you guys had any of those, um, you know, kind of experiences where your your insurance bills are going up, not just three, four percent a year, but more like 15, 20, 30, 40 percent? No, we're in Jacksonville. It's 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 doing okay. It's definitely below that. Um, Orlando, we're seeing some increase, but not to the ten percent range. I would say probably still under ten percent. Okay. Um, Jacksonville, just because we haven't had a hurricane ever since I think back in two thousand twelve or something, and or flood happening out there. So it's been a while. And um, for Orlando, we just missed a hurricane. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you've seen on the news. Mm-hmm. So um, that insurance that's, that insurance coverage has gone up a little bit, but we're still able to, um, <clears throat> I mean, because of the 55% rental increase that we are able to uh, make over the past year, um, we're still able to cover the, those costs. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, we've all been the beneficiaries of of the rent going up. I mean, obviously our expenses are going up too, but mm-hmm. certainly the rents have gone up uh, dramatically. One thing that has been plaguing a lot of people across the country and certainly in some of these larger markets, even in the Southeast, 
is the evictions. Uh, while they're still being processed, they're not like on, on in a moratorium like they were uh, in California for as long. They just aren't getting, uh, I guess, processed as quickly as they used to. Have you guys had any trouble getting, uh, you know, kind of the evictions through the through the process? Yes, we have, but uh, we're able to get them out pretty quick. Unlike California, um, in California, what, the multifamily. Go ahead. Yeah, what what is pretty quick? Pretty quick, I would say within uh, two weeks. Now that that's not slow at all. I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's really fast. Uh, you know, I think that speaks volumes to why capital is flying towards these type of markets where you can actually operate and execute your business plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's that speaks volumes to what uh, you know. I, I guess is happening down there. If you can actually see not only the upside but also protect your downside with these evictions and and getting the people who aren't aren't you know taking care of your property out that that goes a long way to making sure that uh, the deals are are a home run so you know i think that tying that all back into costar uh, and where you started are you able to now see uh, i guess patterns on where your next deals are going to go using some of those tools do you think that uh, you know, Jacksonville's got certain submarkets or Orlando that might have certain submarkets that people should be paying attention to. Um, for now, I would say just go where where the deal flow is going. I think I, I may not even say in Jacksonville or Orlando. I may explore outside of that. Um, I'm looking at a deal in Tallahassee. Um, you, at this point in this kind of environment, you kind of have to make the numbers work. Uh, especially with the interest rates rising and sellers' expectation not coming down, um, so it's it's not just. What, what do you mean by that? Make the numbers work. So so when I when we look at a deal, right, we underwrite everything that we put. Basically, um, I don't know if you buy rate caps for your deals, but sure. I mean, okay. Well, I think most people are, you know, there's. I think most people are going to be buying rate caps going forward. There's, you know, everybody gets uh, hit with an experience like this. They're, they're definitely going to include them. Uh, okay. Forward. Yeah. So that's, I, I've seen syndicators out there that they don't underwrite those type type of things in, into the, their deal. Um, and then they also always have refi, refi, right? And I think that's also an icing on the cake. We don't always put that in our uh, uh, underwriting. So that's, that's, that's what I mean by, you know, certain, you have to look at certain matrix to make sure that your deal is going to um, survive in this kind of environment. And, and so we're, we're always exploring different markets and just seeing where the numbers would make sense when we put into our uh, underwriting calculator. And then from there, we kind of determine, okay, is this worth pursuing? And if there's any, we we'll, 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 we have a certain checkbox, like a due diligence list that we go through. And, and that's how we, we usually run our numbers. Okay. Yeah, I mean, for us, I mean, we're trying to, like when we're looking at deals in other markets, we're trying to make sure that, you know, we're really not forcing it with a, you know, forcing the deal just because of the interest rate environment. I mean, we want to see like rents that aren't trended. We want to see if the deal looks pretty good in that scenario. If we trend the rents, meaning increase them, maybe just one or 2% a year, what does the deal look like? Make sure that we're uh, calculating maybe three, 4% cost on expenses increasing year over year and see how that looks on the deal. Uh, playing around with interest rate caps, uh, maybe even not taking as much leverage and just over raising. 
uh, making sure that the property is in a great position to to bring on really top talent. I mean, do we have enough room to pay for those property managers and really get the property back in in good shape? Do we have enough money to actually renovate? All those things are for us recently not checking a lot of boxes, and I think a lot of people are probably finding the same. And I think that's essentially what the Federal Reserve wants is that downward pressure on the market where we can't make deals work. And then coming out of this, when they bring the rates back down, I think all of this is going to start penciling a little bit better. Uh, but, you know, trying to trying to weigh, hey, we got to do deals with, hey, we don't want to just uh, take another deal on. I think that's what really separates the folks who are doing this, uh, you know, on a full-time basis are able to really dive in uh, find the deals that are off market, work with their lenders, work with local governments, whatever it might be, so that you're not just buying the, the most expensive deal uh, that you can find uh, that's marketed to you from some broker. It's kind of that, you know, kind of that, uh, I, I guess that's kind of the value that we're bringing as professionals uh, to the equation. And I'm sure you guys are doing much of the same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would love to get your quick Quick opinion on what do you think the Fed's going to do? We're sitting here uh, as of this recording. Uh, it'll be April 14th. Uh, the Fed is scheduled for another interest rate meeting in early May. Do you think we're going to stay or do you think we're going to go up? I think we're going to continue to go up for the rest of this year. That's my prediction. Okay. The entire year, you think we're going to keep on going? Stock um, market might disagree with you. I, 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 I think because... The, the, oh, this is my reason because unemployment hasn't gone down you know the unemployment is staying pretty steady and it's and uh, you know um i mean it hasn't gone up that's what i meant um yeah. percentage wise and 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 so it feels like everybody is still um everybody still feels rich and wealthy and and there's still to me i haven't seen the velocity slow down bit uh, at, at all you know, there's still a lot of spending out there, a lot of consuming and, you know, and that's not pushing the 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 idea of raising interest rates to push down the inflation. But I don't see that happening much. Well, I mean, fortunately, last month, uh, the CPI numbers went from six to five percent. And mm -hmm. that was that was great news to see because we saw a full one percent swing. That's the, that's the most we've seen since they've started this exercise. The bad news was is core inflation, which is. That uh, was at 5%, went up to five and a half or 5.6, I believe. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially because energy prices are going back up and we're not producing any oil. And OPEC is saying that they're going to reduce how much oil they're, they're uh, you know, I guess, putting out into the world. So that the supply is coming down on that, which is hurting the Fed and their mandate to bring core inflation back down because they say that they pay attention to core inflation more than they do uh, the CPI numbers. So when you have... CPI numbers come down, but then you actually see inflation of core go back up. It tells me that the Fed really doesn't have a choice but to go up at least another 25 bips in this next run. Plus, you have unemployment that, like you said, hasn't moved. But at the same time, you have this looming banking question mark out there, and no one really knows if that's fully contained. If you listen to what Jamie Dimon says, there's storm clouds ahead, but they, he doesn't think it's going to be on the uh, you know, kind of the banking failure front. He's like, I think that's somewhat contained to certain type of types of banks who were more exposed to what happened here with this rapid increase in interest rates. But Jamie Dimon is saying, hey, we're we're not done here. I mean, we're we're likely going to be higher rates for the rest of the year. And the stock market is kind of pricing in a pivot here in July 
maybe September where they're maybe start bringing the rates back down. I don't know if that's the case. And, you know, I think that your point of maybe the rest of the year is not going to be so pretty is probably what we're going to be looking at. I think that what we did is going to take a lot of time to unwind. And what we all want is the Fed to just start printing more money and kind of making money cheap again. But I think we we have to take our medicine to get this inflation back into shape. It's going to be very interesting to see how it all shakes out. But uh, sitting here in the middle of April, you know, I, I don't think that anyone could have predicted a year ago that interest rates would have been this high and that the environment would have been this unfriendly. Uh, but for real estate investors who are kind of on the front line of this, it's been uh, not the most fun to watch, but hopefully we'll get it back into shape and we'll all be on the greener pastures down the road. So I don't know. I'll, just thought I'd share my opinion after yours, but yeah, I've, that was great. You know, I, I can agree more. I got to check out Jamie Diamonds after this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, he's not you know the official head of the of the banks or the Federal Reserve, but I mean, he's he's kind of like the guy who's been around probably the longest as far as all of the large banks are concerned, and he's been through the uh, you know the different financial crisis crises, and and he's been kind of that that sounding. Uh, that that steady sounding voice that kind of just kind of I, I think that his opinions are are really kind of based in fact and more uh, kind of an honest take on it because I don't think it impacts him either way because uh, I think J P Morgan is going to be just fine in a down market and an up market so yeah absolutely uh, well Jim I appreciate you joining us best of luck with uh, your your syndications you continue to start uh, and grow uh, we certainly would love to. Uh, follow up with you in a year, two years time as you guys continue to bring on more properties and hear more about which markets you guys have expanded to. And hopefully uh, you guys are coming out of this, making a lot of money on your existing properties. And uh, if people are interested in getting in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach out? Uh, they can check check me out on formosainvesting.com. Um, I've wrote a sh short 20 pager uh, ebook talks about all the mistakes I've learned as a real estate investor. So you don't have to make them. So that's uh, available on my website as well. And then uh, they can check me out on uh, any social media links, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn at Formosa Investing. All right. Well, best of luck. Enjoy your weekend and we'll talk with you soon. Same goes to you. Thanks for having me again.